0: Yeah, there should be some passion. This doesn't have to be boring, boring, boring. You're to get bored, my
1: bitch. Okay, one thing uh, the game needs is more people like you, you, you. you have grown man run around tight pants. It's Mookie Betts. It's Daniel Bard. It's Steve Aoki. Here's
0: Saul This is Brock Holt. Hey, this is John Lester. Baseball. Is baseball. Baseball isn't boring.
1: Welcome to Baseball Isn't Boring. Here's your host, Rob Radford. Right, there's nobody I'd rather have on right now than Jack Fritz. Of of so many things. One of the straws that stir the drink at WIP in Philadelphia. Um, co-host of the High Hopes podcast, a juggernaut. Believe me, it's a juggernaut. It's a juggernaut, Jack. Like I don't know if you feel it, but I feel I know. It's good stuff, man. Good stuff.
0: Yeah, yeah it's uh it's it's a lot of fun. And I'm I'm very, very excited to, to join the show today. I uh, yeah. love following your work for a long time. So, uh it's it's an honor. And it
1: when someone says I love following your work for a long time makes me feel really old. But you know, I don't I'm going to wear this hat, this flat brim hat until someone says, "Oh my goodness, it makes you look 20 years younger." It's like the Steve Buscemi gif, you know, "Hello fellow kids." I don't care, man. I feel youthful. I feel and I tell you what. I tell you what, Jack. I th- when I went to the playoff games in Philadelphia, and we just had on Alex Cora, you, as we're taping this yesterday, and we're crapping all over the Fenway Park fans. And I gave the, the example of the Phillies fans. And I think that it hit him. Like, I think this example hit. Which is, even the Rangers fans, when I went there, they didn't want the decibel, like, meter readings, Right and i don't know how i got from like my youth to this but i don't care i guess what i'm saying is when i went to philadelphia i felt young but yep. but i would say this like there are there are crowds that just want to be loud and want to have the decibel thing and then there's crowds like philadelphia that they want to impact what's going on they want to, they want to basically as much as they can legally reach out grab the throats of the participants on the field and that's how it felt. That's how it felt far more than it did in Texas. And I think that you know, and I talk about Fenway about the apathy that's set in there and that this is something you aspire to. This is how it used to be as as I said to Cora, this is how it used to be. and so to, I mean, I know that you know this because you're in the right. belly of the beast, but you should you should understand like this th- that is such an
0: awesome thing, right? Yeah. And, and, uh, talking about it does bring up very bad memories because now I'm thinking about game six and seven where, uh, I think we, I think we as a fan base got a little cocky, you know, yeah. and it was like, we're obviously going to come back and cause they, they won game five and it was so convincing and Harper and Schwarber went deep and we're like, all right, you went in the storm. You lost two. It, it's okay. And then coming back with game six and seven, them losing those games is, is still shocking given how special that place was. And, you know, the way I still remember doing, doing pregame. So I did, I did pregame for every every home game, and I did postgame for every home game. So, like, d- definitely in the belly of the beast. And the best way I could describe it, and it's kind of like how you described it, is that people walked in expecting to make a difference, and I just don't think that that is many baseball crowds. It's it's beyond special, and I, I think a lot of it is is fostered by Bryce. And I think the smartest thing he's done is is really ingratiate himself into the city and. And when he says how much he loves us, it just makes us want to go out there and fight that much harder. It's I, like people walk into Citizens Bank Park in the playoffs thinking that they are playing the game, too. Yes. And, and you I think feel that's, that,
1: man, like, you can feel it, honestly. And I remember <laughs> one of the things after um, Merrill Kelly had said, oh, you know, like the the what was it? The the WBC?" Yeah. yeah, that, that was yeah. my
0: fault. That was my fault. It I, I was. Found, I oh, was that I, your interview? No, no, I just found the video. I saw the, I saw the quotes of it and then I went back and found the video and then I tweeted it out and it got like a million views and, uh, like everyone in the Phillies saw it. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it was all, it was Is there anything, doing. is there anything you can't do? I mean, like between the
1: trade turn, like, is there anything you can't do? Like, yeah. Huh. You- you, you are, you are, you impacted the baseball season. You may have won our, our man of the year. I mean, I'm st-
0: still up for, yeah, for, but wow. It was quite a year. It was quite a year. It was, it was, it's, it's still surreal, like looking back on it. But, uh, yeah, the Merrill Kelly thing completely blew up, you know, and that was a perfect example of us thinking we make a difference. And of course we went out and won 10 nothing that night. Um, and it was like, okay, we're this is what we do now. We we get the we start the season off. We're always five games under five hundred. We put Schwarber in the leadoff spot, and bang, we go to the World Series. It's it's been cake.
1: Well, after that, so I went out. I, I made a point of going out to the bullpen when Kelly was warming up because that Phillies bullpen is, is sort of unique because it's like yeah. you're in. I don't even know how guys do it. You're literally in this shoebox where everyone. And this is, this is, this is sort of the microcosm of what we're talking about, which is the fans just doing everything they can to impact what this guy is doing in terms of warming up. And I'll give them a lot of credit. Not only him, not only Kelly, the catcher, Mike Fetters, who was the bullpen coach, you know, Brent Strom, the, the, the pitching coach. Dude, like Jack, it it was like, it was, it was a, Unbelievable experience. Yeah. But that's yeah. what's great about it. But again, that's the microcosm of the Phillies fans, and I loved it. Well, so.
0: and and I'm sure you know the 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 old story where that used to be where the Phillies bullpen was, but yeah. the Phillies the Phillies players were getting crapped on too much because they weren't very good at that point. So they had to switch it up. Um and like I think the whole ballpark is just a testament to the brilliance of of Dave Montgomery. You know, I think that he had just a real keen sense of what mattered to Phillies fans like I'm that even the detail of he made that wall in the 409 section a little bit taller so he knew that a ball would hit off there and ricochet and get an inside the park home run like just the little intricacies and um before I was uh I guess Jack Fritz, uh I used me and my buddies used to make it a point of pride to get kicked out of the bullpen section uh before a game so uh I'm very very familiar with with uh, the heckling of pitchers in the bullpen
1: yeah, it's it was it so good. It, it was just so good, the whole thing. And and I, you know, I I I being around that team, walking in that clubhouse, I thought you were rolling, and I yes. was I was hoping you were rolling. You know why? Because we had Papelbon on, and he had put ten grand in July on the Phillies, and so if they won, he would have won one hundred forty thousand dollars, and and he was said he was going to take us all out. To, to drink, like, in, in Philadelphia. like And I'm like, this, I'm like, Pap, this is happening. This oh, man. He's
0: so, he's so loved here. So, would I know. Been, people would have been so happy to see him.
1: <laughs> but but if, if you're ever going to buy the love back, it's going to be through $140,000 worth of drinks. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I, I, uh, it's, so this is a little bit, I guess I could tell the story now, but it's, I was sitting in the dugout, before before game one with Mike Hazen, the Arizona uh, GM. Yep. And he looks out and he said, man, these guys are good. Looking out at the Phillies, like, these guys are good. These guys are good. And I said to him, Mike, I'm going to be honest with you. I think that there's one thing that you guys have going for you. You know what it was? I said, Craig, Naive. Kim- Craig Kimbrell.
0: Oh yeah 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 No
1: because like I had seen Kimbrell and obviously Kimbrell might be a Hall of Famer, but Kimbrell I had seen him in two thousand eighteen and that maybe that's not fair, but I even even in the Marlins series early on he was shaky. Um and he just had never when I've seen him pitch in the playoffs, he had never been the Craig Kimbrell, the good no. Craig Kimbrell. And, you know, I'm not gonna say that Hazen texted me after game four, but he may have. But it's it's yeah, but uh, I appreciate
0: I appreciate the salt in the wound. No, this well, is this I I'm just try
1: to keep it real. I mean it's no, like it's funny. It's it's uh you know but I my point is I guess that even with that it was it was, I thought that the Phillies had it, man. And and here's another thing. I love being around the team as much as I the little time as I did. I mean, I know that you are around it a lot. Uh it's just it's a it's a bunch of thirty somethings or close to thirty somethings who were secure in themselves, which Jack uh, it's so rare in baseball, and I think it's so awesome and then the guy you know the whole John middleton thing to me that was new like and and you know you see' always oh, well, picking up baseballs, but his quotes about this is my legacy i'm not sh- I'm sure that nineteen twenty seven Yankees weren't worried about their bottom line all of that. Yep. All that that whole thing, and we're gonna to get to like, like, why this is a great place for uh, Yoshinobu Yabamoto to land because of all this. Forget L.A., forget New York, whatever. But still, all of this. This is. It, I'm a I'm a fan of Dave Dombrowski, you know, for the, how he builds teams and goes about things. But all of that, I mean, it's, it must have been cool, man. It's just, it's just in uh, seeing a lot of teams around baseball about how sterile it is. This is the opposite of sterile and that's good. Well,
0: it's, it's, it's the ethos of this podcast, right? I mean, right. baseball isn't boring. That's, that's what they, they, they say baseball in Philadelphia. It's as simple as that for me. And I will forever be indebted to them for that because I love baseball. And and I knew that this is a great baseball town. And I think the way that these guys have just really humanized themselves um has, and they've, for a team of essentially outsiders, you know, a lot of these guys are not homegrown, and they were brought in as, you know, high-priced free agents. And the way that they have created an almost homegrown atmosphere, I think, is special. Um, and I think the most important person in that is Kyle Schwarber. Mm, and really, I think, I think it's I think it's Schwarber. I, I don't think that they are where they are in the last two years. Without what Kyle Schwarber brings to this team. It's, it's not only to see the leadoff hitter. We'll see if that changes next year. Uh, it, every, all the old school people here hate it. It's a great debate. So yeah, it's, yeah. it's a lot of fun. Um, but he is the calming presence, the, uh, like come in, have, like crack a joke to, to loosen everyone up. Um, he, he sets the tone in that locker room. Like Rob Thompson is, is I think he is the right feel for this team. But I think a lot of this has to do with Kyle Schwarber making it a point to bring everyone together. You know, there was a point last year where he felt like the team wasn't having any fun. And he's like, we're going to start having beers and we're going to have a player of the game and and we're going to, you know, speak on each other after wins. And I think it brought this team together. And I mean, Dave Dombrowski, you just mentioned him. I mean, he's been building baseball teams since the 80s 90s yeah. i don't know yeah for a long time and he said last year that kyle Schwarber is the best locker room guy he's ever been around and this is a guy that has big poppy had uh darren dalton back in the day like he knows winners um and and kyle Schwarber, i think is the number one guy and the main like obviously harper's the star and we get that but yeah. the he can't always be the everyman i mean kyle schwarzer is the everyman
1: that is so interesting, you know, because sometimes a couple of things. Number one, sometimes you need that sort of last piece of ignition for the harpers of the world to take off, or whoever it is, and then everyone sort of follow suits. And then, listen, Jack, we've talked about this a million times on this podcast about the the prioritizing or lack of prioritizing a clubhouse, like we've talked about it a ton, yep, and. And, you know, the guys who were phased out of the game we've had on sometimes because of analytics, they're like, people don't understand. People understand. And the GMs will come on and say, no, no, we understand. No, we, we value that. But do they really? Like, do they really? I don't think they do to the level that Dombrowski does. Um, I don't. I mean, I, I don't. And. Yep. Matt Strom came in the podcast. He said, i we've never I've never been on a team that had more team dinners than the Phillies did. And that, you know, that's another example. But I, I mean it's it's this should be this should be the example. But instead, Jack, I don't know how you view baseball now. I still think there's a hesitancy. They'd rather go with the guy with a five ERA and the good spin rate that might do it instead of the guy that, hey, you know what, he's gonna help us grind through 162.
0: Yeah, and and that's probably been the biggest thing that I've learned in the Dave Dabrowski era is is just what matters and what wins. And sure, you need the stars. And Dave Dabrowski has never been shy about going on and getting stars, but what he has changed, like Matt Lentack got stars and um like he he traded for JT. He signed um, he signed Bryce Here, He's probably the part of the group that signed Bryce. Obviously, yeah, Middleton yeah. had the most to do with that. Um, he signed McCutcheon. He traded for Segura. He signed Zach Wheeler. Um, he brought in a lot of the pieces that had made this team successful over the last two years, but the fringe pieces always were never there. And there was never, um, you know, there was never the guys that are that uh, on the edge, you know, the edge of the roster that were making differences. They were just. Usually, a detriment to the team. And what what Dave Dombrowski has been really good at is is not only identifying what a winner is and and someone's going to help a ball club, but also the human aspect of it. And is this guy a good clubhouse guy? Is he going to add to the culture that we have here? Um, and I really i i I think the Phillies the last two years are starting to teach a lot of baseball teams that. And I think, for example, like the Yankees, yeah. I think this is something they one hundred percent need. You know, like they need to have more, more humans on, on that team. Um, and the Phillies are just a, a bunch of, of good humans that like hanging out with each other. And it's easy to come to work when you're coming to a good culture like that. Um, and I, I do, I think, I think baseball has gone so far in that direction over the last couple of years that I think it's naturally going to swing back and, and we'll see more of, of, a more old school approach. I mean, no, Rob totally, Washington. I don't I, like, I totally agree. hired by the Angels is a good example of that. I mean, Rob yeah. Washington's been around forever, and I'm happy for him.
1: Well, I, first of all, I totally agree with you. And you bring up Ron Washington. Look at the last two years, the final four of the ages of the managers, too. Like this is, is this is, and I'm not saying that a guy in his late 30s or 40s can't win. And this but you look at these guys and. And they are they are like they are valuing the human element. They they understand this of, of yeah you know they they might not be able to relate to a lot of but they understand the the importance of of grinding that through. And so one of the things I want to ask you about the importance of Middleton, the owner, like how how important is that in the entire equation? Because like I like said, for me, I loved what he said. I love the image of him. I love what he's doing. But you're closer to the situation. How important is he to this whole thing?
0: Well, the biggest thing that, that happened for, for Middleton was, so a couple of years ago, obviously we, we all remember the stupid money comment. And, you know, that was kind of the first, okay, Phil's might be, be big boys and, and go out there and spend. The biggest thing that changed for him is that he, he hired someone that knew what they were doing. Uh, Matt Clintac and Andy McPhail, I think he just lost trust in, in, in them spending his money. I think, he never had a problem with with spending money. I think he lost trust in those guys. Um, and that's why you saw at the deadline, instead of going over the luxury tax, they would not do that because he wasn't gonna let them he they, he had just kind of lost faith in them. Right. I think um, you know, what he has done for Bryce is is huge. He is um living up to his end of the bargain. Because Bryce has said, I'm coming here to win and, and I I took less money. We'll see what happens with this contract extension if that happens. I have no idea. <laughs> um, but at least at the time it was like, I'm gonna take less money so that uh we can continue to spend and bring in more and more players. And Middleton's lives up to that that part of the bargain. I also think that Dave Dombrowski coming in, him being able to explain to John this matters, this matters, this matters. You've seen less of Middleton. Whereas during the Clint's active fail era, it felt like he was talking all the time because he had to try to calm the fan base down when, when those guys were kind of messing things up. Um Now that Dabrowski's here, I think he just has total faith in what that guy does and has gotten pretty much out of the way and can just spend money and, and trust that it's going to the right, going in the right direction. Um And I think that the players appreciate an owner that will spend money. You know, I, I think that obviously, Trey Turner signed here because he got 300 million, but he also did take less money. Yeah. I think that's because a lot of what the culture that has been built here, um, and the fans. So, um, Middleton kind of getting, giving out winner vibes and, and giving out the idea that we're going to spend what it takes to, to get the job done. I think has done wonders in, in some of the free agent cycles the last couple of years.
1: Well, speaking of free agent cycles, I mean, we talk about now, you know, obviously. We knew when they came to Yamamoto, we knew the Mets, we knew the Yankees, we knew the Dodgers, we knew the Red Sox. And But the Phillies, the narrative was, well, the Phillies don't get into the Japanese market. So even though they are aggressive and it's Dombrowski, and I mean, I still remember Dombrowski bid $40 million more than the the competitor for David Price. So, hey, you know, when he wants to get a guy, he gets it. But now... Okay. You know, here they go. Like they're, they're, they're after Yamamoto. So my guess, my first question is, what was your reaction, guttural reaction
0: when you heard that they were in on Yamamoto? Well, I thought originally it made sense because, because Nola was leaving. I thought, I thought Nola wasn't coming back. Um, and I think they saw where the Yamamoto market was trending and they were like, we, <laughs> I don't think we, we can really be in there. So that, that my first reaction was, they re-signed Nola because the Yamamoto market, I think they viewed was getting a, a little out of hand. But as it kept going on, I I I still think like, if they sign Yamamoto, I would still be surprised. Like yeah. I, I I don't really think they're going to sign him. Um, but I think this is about establishing to uh, the the international markets that we're going to be players in this, and we want to be big players in this. Um, but the longer and longer this goes on. Would you be surprised if you wake up no. and, and, and he's a Philly because of Dave Dombrowski?
1: No, like, no, that's that's my point though. Jeff. I know like I know is is when Dou- the history of Dombrowski is if he gets in on something, he's gonna either come really close, he's usually not gonna be outbid, which is by the way, we talk about the the aberration. This is the that's the aberration for most of these GMs now. Like they oh, yeah. They, they set a price and they're like, that's our price and we're not going past it. But yeah,
0: I don't mean to re- interrupt, but I'm, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Well, and, and, and that's kind of where I'm at with it. Um, and I think it's, I think it's obviously smart. The only thing that is, that is giving me like concerns about them really signing them is I think they want to re-sign Wheeler this offseason or extend Wheeler this offseason. So that's probably three or four years, hundred and twenty, hundred and thirty million, 130 million, whatever. So you're giving out that pitching contract, you're giving out NOLA, which is 170, 70. Um, and then are you really going to add a, a 250 to 275 to even $300 million contract on top of all that? That's a lot. And yeah. I believe that they're 24 million from the third luxury tax number. So I think if they did it, they'd obviously have to get off of Taiwan Walker, which is fine. Mm-hmm. I would. Believe it or not, would rather have Yoshi Yamamoto <laughs> than Taiwan Walker, yeah. not to break any news. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I, I just think that, that John Milton has so much faith in what the Bronze is doing. So if he says, Hey, we can get a 25 year old potential ace, like go do it, go do it. Um, and <laughs> I think that, um, yeah, it's, it, it, it would, I'm still be in the shock stage if they actually got yeah. it done. But again, like I just I can't I can't put anything past him. It'd be a lot of money, it'd be a lot of resources. I get that. But he's a star hunter. We know that. And um with Andrew Painter out for the year and this is being a World Series window, it's kind of their time. Yeah. I
1: mean I I just I just love when Dombrowski gets it on stuff. It it's makes so everyone funny. uncomfortable. Yeah. Even it's, even like him pissing on his territory with Noah's song in the rule five. It oh, was it's like-
0: so funny. Yeah. He's vintage. He's vintage. Honestly, the, the, the one thing that I've been thinking with the whole Yamamoto thing from on one hand, it makes me very excited that I don't think they're going to sit on their hands and do nothing, you know, because that would be, it'd be disappointing to go into spring training with essentially the same roster. The Yamamoto thing actually has me thinking more about Blake snow. Like if his, if his market doesn't seem to create a, a $200 million demand I wonder if they get the Snell sweepstakes. There was, there was early talk of, of them being interested in more than Aaron Nola, much like Castellanos a couple years ago. They didn't walk into the offseason expecting to sign Castellanos. but mm. it got to the point where it's like, there's a, a, at the time, a 300 hitter with, uh, you know, 25 home run gap to gap power sitting out there that I, that he drafted. Mm. So, um, the, the Snell one, I think is, is one that could come if, if they do end up missing out on Yamamoto. well, you make a good point about not bringing back. It's great that Nolo signs,
1: right? Everyone's happy. Yay. You know, you got Aaron Nola back. You don't have to worry about that. But you never want to bring back everyone the same exactly. You want to add something, usually something significant. And it's funny because that's what a loss, like this unexpected lot, these unexpected two losses did. It's. You could easily like have just rolled this back and been a good oh, yeah. team, but no. Listen, we're that close. Let's go. Let's go. So I'll give you. So I want you to do this. I heard you do this a little bit on high hopes, and here you go. I'm I'm Yamamoto. I'm the I'm 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 hanging out with Otani in L.A. I'm I'm going to Steve Cohen's house. Yeah. Uh, you know. Brian Cashman's reminding me that I clapped behind home plate during his no hitter, whatever it is. Yeah. All great things. Convince me, convince me Philadelphia is the place to be.
0: Yeah. I think it's, I think it's pretty simple. And we talked about this at the beginning of this pod, but you, you say you want to pitch from the biggest stage in baseball, right? And you talk about, um, leaving your mark. Well, I mean, you would be the, the biggest Japanese player the Phillies have ever signed so you would be the the face of that aspect of baseball in Philadelphia. You can, you can you can change the whole narrative there. Um that's a huge that would be a huge draw. Um you come to Philadelphia, you get a pitch in front of the most passionate fans in baseball and you, you get a pitch in that environment. And all I would do is I would just show him as many clips as I could of the best fan like moments at Citizens Bank Park. Take the, all the videos of when the, of when the, uh, the announcers are taking out of, of the audio and just the raw reaction oh, and the raw so loudness. Good. Um, you know, I would send them as much as, as much clips of, of the Phillies in the postseason as I could, because I don't think there's any team that is involved in this that can create what Philadelphia has created the last two postseasons. Um, you know, I, Bryce Harper obviously is a huge draw. Uh, instead of FaceTime, I would like for him to be in person and, and, and sell it that way for sure. Um, but I think, I think to become a huge star in the city of Philadelphia, a place that, you know, I, I think that we, we love harder than most, than most fan bases and we can be tough. Um, there's, there's no doubt about it. Um, but between the ovations and, and being behind this baseball team, I don't think you'll see a better connection between a a team in its city quite like the Phillies and uh in Philadelphia. And I think it's a special, special place. It's support. true,
1: man. Like it's you know we can talk about New York, but New York isn't. Just look at look at the the seats behind home plate. And oh, always empty at, at Yankee Stadium. You know, like it's Yankee. It's 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 a lot of times they're empty, and if they are full, it's it's the. The highfalutin people who aren't going to be like, they aren't looking to rip people's throats out from, you know, on the field. You know, the Mets, okay, whatever. I mean, they're finding their way. But still, nothing in L.A. I mean, L.A. is L.A. We get it. Like, it's it's a unique fan base. I'm not going to, like, crap on L.A. Because I I actually like their fan base. But it's unique. It's not like Philadelphia. The passion. And by the way, I found, as you were talking, I thought of an avenue that's going to lead Yamamoto there. So Yamamoto's teammates with Yoshida and Oryx, tight, the friends, whatever. And everyone's like, oh, you know, that's going to help Boston. No, 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 no. Yoshida, who does he idolize? Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, idolizes Bryce Harper. Exactly. So when they're getting together, they said, hey, you know what? Don't tell anyone. But you know what would be really cool? If you got a chance to play with my idol, Bryce Harper.
0: Yeah. Right? Yeah, I mean, I don't think Boston would ever recover. Uh If if they found out that, but uh I, I, I think I
1: think I don't think
0: the, I think expectations are low. So awesome! And I'm so glad that that one of the best fan bases in baseball is is resorted to apathy because they they won't spend any money. That's 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 good for the sport. It's good it, for the sport. It, it, well, you know,
1: if they only had a guy named Dave Dombrowski, no, I mean we yeah, don't know. know. We'll see. We'll we'll see what happens. That's a weird thing about this off season. We talk about the Phillies adding people. Like, we have all these fan bases, and we're sitting here almost at Christmas, and, and I get it. It used to be done. It used to be done. So, if your team hadn't done anything by December 21st, 22nd, whatever it was, yeah, you had every right to panic. But, but Jack, the 80% of the, at least, like, the, the, the top free agents
0: haven't been signed. Yeah, I mean, right now, the Phillies have spent the second most amount of money in baseball. They signed one player. <laughs> time, that's a problem. But at the same time, like, I, I think people seem to readjust their expectations. Like, I'm sorry that th- things aren't done by Christmas. I'm sorry they're not done by the new year. Yeah. But guess what? There's a lot of free agents out there that'll be available after the new year. And we all know that a lot of the market is being held up, um, by the Yamamoto stuff. And I think that when he signs, it, this stuff should open up. You'll see Montgomery. Maybe you'll see Snell. Um, it's, oh, yeah. it,
1: all it's of annoying, them. but whatever. Yeah. You know what was awesome? The lockout. Things, Words have never been said. Oh, uh, well,
0: listen, there, it's spurred action. There, there are some, it was awesome. Amazing. It was,
1: it was awesome because it was awesome for two reasons. I mean, not the, you know, whatever. I mean, the lockout was. It's like saying, you know what's great about the pandemic? No traffic. You know, it's like, no, the lockout was bad. We get that. But it had a set deadline. And you had this flurry of stuff that happened all the way up until that deadline. We hear stories about deals that were done. And then the great thing, Jack is that we didn't have to pay attention. There was no pretend like nothing could get done. So everyone could go about their way and it was great. And then it started up again and it was a flurry of stuff. Let's have a deadline,
0: please. Some deadline. Yeah. They should find a way to do it. I I don't know how they do it to where it's, it makes sense. Um, you know, because obviously you can't be like, well, if you don't sign by this day, then you're not allowed to sign. Um, but there has to be something. It would be great for the sport. And look at, I mean, football and, and basketball have become more uh, 365 sports because of what happens in their in their free agency. And, and baseball has kind of lost the the winter from that standpoint.
1: All right. Um, I'm going to ask you your favorite memory. You had a lot of good memories from being at Citizens Bank Park this year. A lot of unique memories. can you, you, can have the most obvious ones or the non-obvious ones. I uh, My favorite one, I have two. Um, one was, it wasn't a good moment, but I was doing the broadcast and a guy fell on his head in the bullpen. Oh, you were there for that game? I was doing the broadcast, yeah. I was like, play by play, that was, let me tell you. But it was, you know what was weird about that? I I think he's okay, right? He's okay. He's
0: fine. Yeah, I think he, I yeah, he's fine. okay.
1: Well, we couldn't see. We were. Were you there? I don't know if if you were there. I was driving
0: home. Yeah, I was doing. Yeah. yeah. So
1: the pitch clock was right in the way, so you couldn't. It was the one place where you couldn't see what's happening, and you saw like players openly weeping. Like we saw somebody died, but what happened was he reached for the ball and fell on his head. That was. And then that same series, Matt Strom and Cutter Crawford. Have a national anthem standoff, and they both get ejected. <laughs> and And they were pissed. Uh, the Phillies players were pissed at Strom because Cutter Crawford wasn't even active, and Strom was, so they were like a man down. Nice. And yeah, nice. <laughs> so. I-
0: the standoff is, is one of the dumbest things that, that we as baseball players do. But for some reason we do it. I don't know why. Uh, we well, did it in college. I don't know why we still do it. I didn't know that you could be, I didn't know
1: that you could be ejected and that you could be fine. They, they rescinded the fine, but, um, yeah, it's, it's bizarre. Anyway, those yes. are, as you can tell, I don't have nearly as good of memories as you at Citizens Bank Park. Um, but what do you got? What's what it jumps out?
0: Well, um, I mean, on my couch, obviously the, the Turner ovation was, was incredible. And that whole weekend was magical. Um, it can you is funny. Me,
1: can you take me through that? Take us through that again. Can you?
0: Yeah. So, um,
1: I know you've done it before. So I apologize, but
0: no, it's, it's all good. Um, so yeah. So obviously Trey Turner, one of the probably 20, 20 best players in baseball. Um, you can make the arguments top 15. He, uh, just was off to a really, really tough start and the, the Phillies were, were disappointing to begin the season. Um, I think he felt the pressure of the $300 million contract. With Bryce missing a lot of time and said, um, I'm going to put this, all this weight on my shoulders to, to carry the team while Bryce is gone. And um, you know, it was evident to a lot of people that he was in his own head, like these two goods to just kind of fall off a cliff I mean his batting average was down to like two It was ridiculous. Um So, you know, that it had been brewing for a little bit. Um, of this idea of let's get behind them. Um, you know, whether it was our radio station, our morning show host said something like two weeks before. Um, like there had been, you know, kind of behind the scenes talk about it and, you know, a little stuff growing. And, you know, we weren't really sure the best time to, to dive all in. But, you know, that Wednesday night when they lost down in, uh, Miami, I believe they blew a five one lead. He struck out like three or four times. And he had a costly error in extra innings that cost him the game, you know, after the game just looked really down. Um, And they, he said, basically, like, I cost the game like I, he felt horrible. And, and I remember watching that live and being like, I know he's making 300 million. I just I just feel awful. <laughs> like, I, I just feel awful for him. Um And then the story the next morning came out from Zalecki about how he's in the cage until 1230 and they basically had to turn the lights off and say, you got to go home and and get out of your head. So he had the perfect storm of, he took a lot of accountability for it and he was trying to work his way through it. And if we learn anything from the Alec Bohm situation the year before, if you own up to it and, and you just admit that you're struggling, we'll get behind you. It's, Mm -hmm. it's the defiant ones that we have, we get annoyed with. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, you know, um, a guy named Mitch Rupert that night off the video put out a tweet about the the ovations. Uh, next morning, I tweeted about it. We talked about it on WIP that night after the game. Um, you know, then some more videos started to come out about the ovations and really trying to get behind it and create a movement. And I just knew by because Friday morning on or Friday all day on WIP, it was all we talked about. And WIP has a lot of power. It has a lot of power down here. And um, I just, I was driving home after the show and I was like, man, I wonder if they're really going to do it. Uh, Cause I couldn't go. Cause I had to do post game. And I remember I got a text from my buddy of a tweet and it was like, they're cheering Trey, just running on the field. And I was like, Oh, this is good. This is going to work. Um And I got home. Thank God he's batting eight. Cause I usually miss the first inning driving home. Um, and he's batting eighth and, and the ovation happened and it was, it literally like I started welling up and, and had chills just watching it. Um, it was special. And I think the funniest part about the ovation stuff now is how it's going to get retold is he had a home run in his first at bat with the ovations. It took him seven. All right. It took him like seven, seven at bats on and on a whole another game. He did get a hit late. It's funny. They lost the ovation game, which is the best part. Um, I think Nola blew a lead. Um, and then, yeah, the the next night on, I believe, his third at bat, because I think yeah. it was the sixth inning. Um, he hits the home run. Cruck goes wild. He gets, he gets a curtain call. He gives it like a fist pump back to the fans. Like, thank you, which I felt. Um, and it, I just, I still, it's still ridiculous to look back and, and think of how it all went down and how it was. And, and, and you talk to him, right? I did. That was cool. Um, obviously we have credentials to get into the locker room with, with the press pass. Um, and I was there as an objective journalist. I was not rooting. I was rooting for a good story. Did that no rooting interest? Was saying,
1: time, time of game and good story. That's
0: what exactly. About. Yep. 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 That's, that's what people, that's what people care about. Um, yeah, but, um, yes, yeah, so we were in there and he was kind of like floating around. I think he was out in the field celebrating with his family. Um, and he came back in. And my buddy who's, who covers the Eagles. So he's used to being in locker rooms. I don't, I never really go in locker rooms. Like, I don't want to be, I just, it's not me, you know? Um, he came over and he was like, yo, Trey's here. Like, let's go say hi. And then he kind of introduced us and broke the ice. And and we had a nice little conversation. That's good. Well, surprise, surprise. You have won the baseballs
1: and boring media moment of the year. Yeah. It's, so it's, uh, yes, it's, it's, it's uh, it's well deserved, and comes with it in in the the payment is t-shirts and smiles and memories. Awesome. So I've been
0: waiting for my baseball isn't boring t-shirt, I and mean, I feel I like everyone send, else gets one.
1: Yeah, I mean I've I've been negligent. I apologize, but um, there's two things. Number one, I'm sending a bunch of them, okay. to a bunch of them to you guys. We have the red, the red and the white, beautiful. Um, and we have we're in production as we speak. Is baseball isn't boring in Japanese um, T-shirts, which right now they're in Dodger blue. Okay, but we can adjust. We can Good. adjust. So there you go. Good.
0: I, we're going to need them. Hopefully, that'd be that be amazing. <laughs> that'd be amazing. If I yeah. if I look up the Yamamoto, I just I will be I will be over the moon. I I, I need him in Philly. I need him in Philly.
1: I just I I am kind of rooting for it because. It is, like you said, I think it's the unexpected thing, right? And how many times do we see, we more times than, than we admit, because I think that there's such a rush to, to follow the breadcrumbs to make the big loaf of bread when we don't really have enough breadcrumbs to make anything, and we're just trying to grasp at straws, and that's what we're doing. But how many times have we seen where, oh, it's it's trudging this way, and then boom, here comes, the, the Padres were the example last year. I mean, I don't think you, a lot of people didn't know the offers that the Padres are making, whether it was the ones that they got or the ones that
0: they didn't get. So, well, I mean, now they might've, I mean, they did have to take out a loan to pay some of their players. Yeah. Summer. Well, I mean, so, I don't think we'll have to do that here. Um, but yeah, I, I would be, I would just be so happy. And I think it'd be um, a really good moment for the city. You know, um, we haven't, we've never been able to really land a star Japanese player. And, 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 they're just so good. And I, I, I just, I really want to have that. Um, and I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm glad the Phillies are this far into it because there's only more talent that that is out there. Um, so I just, I'd be really, really, I think that, I think I'd be the city, me, the podcast, I think we'd be really, really geeked up and, uh, and just like watching the videos. It's like, it's such easy mechanics and then yeah. bang, like 95 and two times Cy Young winner. He's and doing, it,
1: it, he's doing splits, you know, yeah. he's he's like, he's limber. He's yeah. 20, he's 25 years old. Like it's, you know, I could, I could go on another 20 minutes about the, the warning signs of Daisuke Matsuzaka 15 years ago, but I will not do that. I'm only yeah. optimistic. So, yeah, but Hey, great stuff. You know, again, Podcast is awesome. You're doing an awesome job there. I'm glad that we finally able, able to catch up and, and, uh, I, and it's, I really enjoyed my time hanging out there and I look forward to it, uh, seeing you and seeing the Phillies and
0: all that crew. So keep up for the good sure. work, man. I look forward to, I look forward to all my t-shirts and, ah. and, and spreading the good word.
1: <laughs> yeah, all right.